0: Hey, welcome everybody here. This is Jason, and I'm here with my great friend, good friend, Mike Bradley, uh, mentor, kind of a spiritual father in my life, someone I love deeply, and uh, it's so great to have you here. Mike, can, can you share just a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, you're with our the denomination affiliation that we're with, LCMC. Love for you to share a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. Well, it's great to be here, first of all, yeah. uh, in Clear Lake, and just to hang out with you again, Jace. Um, I'm the director for Lutheran Congregations in Mission for Christ. Which a lot of people are like, what's that? It, exactly. First of all, Lutherans, we always have to have an acronym. So LCMC. <laughs> uh, it, it's a bunch of uh, uh, Lutherans who want to be in mission for Christ. Yeah. And and uh, that's certainly true of Zion Lutheran here in Clear Lake. That's what you all are, are, are all about. yeah.
0: Now, they're a little bit different. And for those who are watching, maybe part of our church community, uh, LCMC is not like a synod correct. Uh, it is. It's an affiliation. Can you say a little bit more about that? And then we're going to get into the meat, but people don't know who you are. And yeah. Yeah. It's a, wonderful to have that.
1: Well, LCMC was birthed 21 years ago, and we wanted to have an association okay. of congregations, not a denomination. It's not just a, a play on words. We wanted the authority and responsibility for Mission to State in the local congregation. Okay. Not have a heavy hierarchy at some national office telling congregations who they had to be, what they had to do. Yeah.
0: And that's uh, So a good friend of ours, Per Nelson.
1: Yeah. Uh, he once described
0: it, as he said, if you have Robert's book of order or rules or whatever yeah. for meetings, uh, LCMC is Bob's book of getting her done.
1: Yeah. That, that'd be <laughs> a good one. Yeah. That's about right.
0: Um, so I've known you now for geez, almost 15 years. Is that, I know. Something geez, like 2008, that. 2008, I think, is when we first met when I yeah. was teaching pastor at another church. Yeah. Wow. Um, so... Part of what we do in this podcast is we talk about what we're learning in the Sunday, this sermon series right now. One okay. series on 40 Days of Purpose. And uh, yesterday, which we filmed this on Monday, so yesterday we, we preached and we talked about um, that you were created for family. Yeah, yeah. Now, I've, as long as I've known you, you've had a mission that's always been at the center <laughs> central part of who you are. Way before LCMC, I, I think I met you when you yeah. were but, You were the president of MI, Master's Institute.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And it's that safe place for a dangerous kind. In fact, I think the first time I ever heard you preach, you preached on the safe place for a dangerous kind. Say a little bit more about what that is, kind of your heart behind the safe place for a dangerous kind. And then I'd love to talk about how that connects with what does it mean to be created for part of the church family? Because I think those things are so intimately connected.
1: Yeah. Well... Uh, Before uh, being at the Master's Institute, the seminary where you and I met, I was a pastor in a local congregation. And uh, for the first 12 years of this particular congregation, it was just an amazing time. God was doing some amazing things. I was serving under an amazing pastor, and he retired. And somebody new came along, and out of his own lack of health and wholeness, uh, he started preaching and teaching things that were just dividing the body of Christ, were mm-hmm. setting people up against each other, um, things that weren't scriptural. And it created a place that was unsafe. Wow. Uh, the congregation grew from 2,500 people to 400 in three years. 2,500 to 400 in three years. Yeah, so that, and this was in the Black Hills region of South Dakota. So we aided church growth in the Black Hills because all of our members were going to... Yeah other churches. And I remember telling my wife, uh, it's just not safe here. And that's when um, I began to reflect on and and God began to speak to me about what might it mean for Christians to be a safe place because Christians can be unsafe. Yeah. Well, and I
0: I think part of what happens, you know, and you've been, uh, and this is part of the reason why I think our relationship, you've always been a a pretty pivotal part of my relationship in the last 15 years Oh, thanks. and my spiritual development. And I think so often in churches, we don't think about that the goal of becoming a Christian is becoming whole. Yeah. Holy whole. Right. Right? Um, And that only happens in the context of uh, uh, creating a church family. But that means just like a regular family, it has its own brokenness.
1: Yes. Uh,
0: What do you think is, what is the fear within Christians, and particularly within the church family context, the community of Christ, why do you think we're so we push back so much on emotional health uh, uh, relational health why, why is that such a fearful topic for so many in the church
1: Well it it could be for a number of reasons but one of the primary reasons I've seen is is the fear is rooted in the fact that I don't have anybody I feel like I can be vulnerable with Oh yeah I can be transparent with and trust them uh because that's a great gift yeah when you make yourself vulnerable to somebody and i need to be able to trust them that they're going to keep it confidential unless it's a life threatening yeah. situation um as somebody who can just be there to listen to love to pray and if i'm afraid that you might use what i share with you against me i yeah. will keep it hidden
0: oh and i think that is such a um in fact when you and i first started meeting you actually helped kind of coach me and walk me through some uh, some Seasons of my own growth. I, as much as I can point it to other people, I think there was a side of me that that ability to be vulnerable, to share in a safe place, a safe sure. space. The yeah. uh, I, I think what happens within family is because we we bring our baggage with us, right? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and Jesus knows that. I mean, when we look at the Bible from the very first pages, the only whole person throughout the entire scripture is jesus like correct every even even our heroes of the faith are all messed up broken people exactly and and i think we talked about this yesterday is that um this idea of being created for family is that sometimes if we're our our family of origin is messed up well of course we bring that into the spiritual family right how do we how do we create that environment then that we can foster growth within ourselves and i think that vulnerability is such an, an interesting word Brene brown which I, everybody's familiar with Brene brown love Brene brown yep. um how do we foster vulnerability in a community context in which you can actually have real conversations but also not enable unhealthiness because i think that's one of the things that you did so well for me early on is that you allowed me to be vulnerable but you didn't
1: enable me to stay broken does that make sense well it does and and in one sense, uh, one of the first things, I think, is that it starts with the leaders. Yeah. So it might be the leaders in a home. So it's going to start with mom and dad or that single parent. In the church, it's going to start with the lead pastor and with the leadership team. There seems to be some dynamic that that what happens with that leadership team, what happens with mom and dad, then filters down on the rest of the family. Oh, yeah. So it, it starts with uh, that leadership team, that mom and dad just simply telling the Lord, I, I do want to experience your work. It's God's work. It's yeah. not ours. Of Becoming more healthy, becoming more whole. Uh, knowing that this side of heaven, as you just said, this side of heaven, nobody's going to be 100% safe yeah. all the time. I'm going to blow it. I'm going to say things to you that I shouldn't have said. <laughs> I'm not going to say things I should have. Yeah. I'm not going to do things I should have. Romans 7 kind of thing. But even in that, God can be at work because I can say, "Hey, Jason, uh, when I spoke to you like that the other day, that was wrong. Yeah, period. Not comma, but period. Please forgive me." And there's the opportunity for our relationship uh, to heal and perhaps even be stronger going on. So God even uses our failures, yeah, to grow us and be in that safe place.
0: My uh, my favorite quote right now because I, I when I went into to school because I went to college and or university, whatever you want to call it, uh, in my 30s. So I did junior college, and that's part of my story and testimony. But I went and got my bachelor's and my master's. And it wasn't until my first day of class, and I remember, writing because we had to pre-write the paper because it was an adult education class. So I wasn't in with a bunch of 18-year-olds. Everybody in there was (laughs) 28 to 50-something, right? And I remember writing that first paper, and I was terrified. What if I fail? Sure. And for years, I made excuses that the reason why I didn't go to school, I wasn't a big believer in college in my 20s, is because that's the man's institution and, yeah. and churches. You don't need those things until I actually decided to do it. And then I wrote that first paper and I realized my greatest fear was failure. And my, my, my favorite quote right now, there's a, a guy named Ed Milet, um, this motivational guy. Okay. And I don't remember who he was interviewing. He was a baseball player. But he said, all failure is is feedback. And if you can look at failure as feedback, it doesn't have to define you as a person because we're all going to fail. We're all going to have those moments. And when you can create a safe atmosphere, a family atmosphere in which people have the freedom to fail. Oh, it's And it doesn't define their work. It doesn't. and, And even that's. And okay, I'm going to be a little. I want to be. I want to be careful here. Even morally fail. Yeah. Because I think that's what leads, I mean, I, okay, so you and I both were in the Twin Cities, and there was a very well-known pastor in a very large church in the Twin Cities in 2000, I want to say three, four, somewhere around there, and huge church. Yeah. And uh, he went on a mission trip, came back, and his elders met him at the airport and informed him that he had been caught in an affair uh, and that he, yeah. was, he was now fired. And it was all over. The, I remember the, the Star Tribune. It was every Star Tribune. Is that Minnesota paper?
1: Yeah, I think Yeah, so, yeah. it is. Yeah, it was. It was
0: like all over the paper. This very well known pastor, and they interviewed him. Actually, they interviewed one of the, the elder board members and said, "What happened?" And he said, "Well, his marriage was falling apart. He didn't know how to tell, and so he kept it secret. And then yeah. he was meeting with another woman to counsel her, and eventually it fell into an affair. And it all traced back to: is he didn't feel safe." exactly to talk about no i'm not saying that like i do believe that there are some sins that either permanently disqualify you from ministry or temporarily disqualify you until you get healing and wholeness right right and 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 so i'm not that's why i said i want to be careful like <laughs> sure. we, we have to hold standards <laughs> on pastors yeah but i think let's take ministry as an example you have a pastor whose marriage is struggling and if he doesn't feel he has a place that he can be vulnerable to share that it leads to secrecy exactly and, that, and so it's, it's the wisdom, you know, there are things I don't talk to my kids about yeah. <laughs> because I love my kids, and they don't need to know in order they want to know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there are things as a pastor I don't share with my
1: church, but I do have people in my life that I am vulnerable with. Which is huge. Uh, a recent Barna poll shows that 70% of uh, pastors and lay leaders in a church do not believe they have someone they can trust yeah. to be a confidant or a mentor, and when you don't have that, you just keep it hidden, and it grows, and then eventually has some really unhelpful and harmful consequences. And that, and I think, that comes back—that safe family environment.
0: Not everybody grew up in safe family environments. Correct. And I think that's—we have to acknowledge that.
1: Yep. And
0: whatever, whatever you don't fix, it follows. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I I even think about, even within the church context, um, mental health stuff within the church is such a fearful conversation. At least it was for years. I think it's getting better. Better. I think we're having more conversations. But, you know, I remember my wife, and this is her public story, so I'm not sharing anything out of school here. She suffered for depression for many years. Yeah. And a pastor once told us, well, you need to tithe more. Oh, and then another pastor, before we got married, I had somebody counsel me that said it was a sin for me to marry her if she was on medication. Uh, this was a, uh, I wouldn't call him a mentor. He was a pastor. I went to him for pastoral advice. And and I've met so many people that the reason why we bring our brokenness, all, one, I think we expect Jesus to fix everything, and yet that's not how Jesus works. Correct.
1: <laughs> Correct.
0: But if, if we're created for family, that means that we're also created... And I want to say this the right way: We're created with the understanding that we're all a little bit broken. We're, we're all the cheese is a little bit off the cracker of
1: all of us. <laughs> that's exactly how Jesus would have said it. Yeah, it
0: would have been it would have been an Aramaic, yeah. but you
1: know, yeah. yeah. No, you're you're exactly right. I mean, I, we're sitting here today. You and I are sitting here as, as broken brothers in Christ, and thank goodness we have uh, God's healing combination of grace and truth. Oh yeah. yeah. So that's His healing combination. One one thought that came to mind as you uh, were just talking. Um, also, the phrase I use is, what we don't allow God to transform, we will transmit. Oh, wow. And uh, my wife, Debbie, uh, again, her public testimony that she shares often also is similar to uh, Lisa's. And Debbie was told uh, that if she were uh, to look for medication for her chronic depression, she would be living in sin. Yeah, and finally, a brother in Christ came along, somebody who we respected and who uh, became my mentor, uh, gave her permission and, and just said, that, no, that's, that's not sin at all. And that's one avenue of God's healing. That's right. Yeah. She was able to find the right medication, the right dose, and so forth, and, and just opened up a whole new joy in life.
0: So now we have this, Oh, okay, so let's say go back to the family understanding, right? For those of us who come from maybe unhealthy families or broken yeah. families, some all families have brokenness. Some families are actually broken. Correct. Yeah. Um, the church is supposed to be the model or the example. Yeah. Of what what a family could be. Right. And, okay. and it, we're never going to have perfection, right? This Perfect. side of heaven. Yeah. And and God knows that. Um, and it seems like if that's the case, then the church really should take seriously this understanding of emotional wholeness. Yes. Yeah. that we should be embracing things like therapy. Uh-huh. Uh, you and I have talked about it, and I've been very upfront. Uh, I did an, a, a trauma therapy called EMDR about four years ago. Excellent therapy. Changed my life. Yeah. Absolutely changed my life. It, it helped me work through some stories that had, that had been following me for decades. That okay. I didn't even realize. Like I didn't know how much they controlled me until something bumped up against that story, and all of a sudden, I reacted. Right? All right. Right. Um, in in the work that you're doing, and and this is a, a part of what made me want to have you on here. Is I was thinking about our conversation at dinner on Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. and the direction of what you want to see LCMC become and creating healthy leaders. And yeah, that. because as you said, it mom and dad, if mom and dad are in a good place. Uh, then the church feels more secure. But if mom and dad are in a good place, then the church feels very insecure. Right. How do we create? How what can we do now practically? Yeah. To start fostering environments. To help the church family become a healthier uh, model or a healthier version of what a family should look like?
1: Well, a couple of things I'd like to do with LCMC. So, I, we're an international association, churches here in 15 countries. So, with, with the association as a whole, I'd like to see us adopt two core values. I think one thing that has to happen is you need to identify what are going to be our values you do actually have to write them out but you don't want to leave you don't want to leave them uh, on the uh, paper or on the website you actually want to enact them okay and so one is what we call leader care how can we help leaders experience God's work of growing us up to be emotionally relationally and spiritually healthier and more whole okay what are the instruments he can use to to do that we want to identify those we want to try to help make those accessible to our leaders and then the second core value would be being a safe place how can we develop an atmosphere in LCMC that's safe for leaders to seek that health and wholeness knowing that it uh, it won't uh, we will not be 100% perfect in that yeah, but we're going to set that as our target. So in that, uh,
0: one of the illustrations that we've used over the last several weeks is this understanding of a ladder. We actually got it from the story yeah. of Jacob's ladder. Okay, right. Uh, you know, here's Jacob, who's just stolen the <laughs> blessing from his brother by conning his father out of getting the blessing. Right. He comes to Bethel. The Lord shows him this ladder, and in what we, even though it's, I think it's implied in the text, it doesn't certainly say it. Is the top of Jacob's ladder was Jacob? Yeah. Yeah. And God is saying, no, no, I'm at the top of the ladder. Right. right. <laughs> this is, I'm, I'm the king of heaven. You might think you're the king of earth, but I'm the king of all this, and my will is being done. Yeah. Um, what we've talked about is what's at the top of your ladder. Yeah. And, and in family, I think sometimes also what happens in church, and this is something I've been convicted of recently, our language in family often focuses on married people.
1: Okay. At the
0: neglect of the of single people. Correct. Or Or people with children, and what about people who don't have children, or people who've lost children? Um, And I've started realizing that even my own language actually fosters an unsafe place at times. It can. Right. It's not even meaning to. It's certainly not intentional. But so much of the church is focused on on marriage because let's be, uh, and that's a majority of people that the church associates. Yeah. With the church are married people with with kids or grandkids. Right. And yet we follow a single rabbi who was God become flesh, (laughs) who died on a cross. Uh I had one one of my uh professors when I was in school said it's a strong possibility that the apostle Paul was divorced, um, that he would most likely as a Pharisee would have been married, and it's quite possible that his wife left him when he followed Jesus. And, you know, Paul's strong language to the single people and saying, hey, you need to be careful. Uh, it's better not to be married so that you can do the will of God. But if you need to be married, be married, right? Right, right. And, and how do we create a safe environment recognizing that there are different people, different life situations? And do, do you get what I'm saying? I mean, I, yeah. I think what happens, we can focus on one group of people at the neglect of the other or assume that they're going to make the transition themselves yeah. or they're going to they're going to make the connection. How do we do that, or do you have thoughts on that?
1: Well, you've already alluded to one of the main things, especially when I was in, in the parish. Uh, for instance, we have Mother's Day coming up, Yeah, Hard, and we yeah. want to celebrate mothers. But how many women never had the opportunity to be a mom? Yeah, Or they, they are a mom, but their child died and aren't there. So I just tried to look at Mother's Day, Father's Day, things like that, and just think through what kind of language do I want to use today that is certainly going to honor moms. I don't want to ignore moms, uh, but can be sensitive uh, to women who didn't have that opportunity. So I do think one of the things we can begin to look at, talk with each other about, create a safe place to have a dialogue about what kind of language are we using. Yeah. Well, because then I think what that does is that follows...
0: Uh, if if people have bad experiences with family where they feel like they don't connect, they don't feel like they can be a part of that family.
1: Correct. Yeah. And
0: and I I wonder how often there are people who they'll come into the church wanting exploring faith, and they feel like either one the language of the church doesn't include them.
1: Yes. Yeah. And and
0: I want to be careful of inclusivism because I think that's led to some really sure really bad rabbit trails within our culture and leads to a lot of division if we're not careful. But we had a Jesus who was inclusively exclusive. Yeah. Like he was very clear. Like the only way to heaven is through me. That's pretty exclusive. Pretty exclusive. (laughs) That's pretty exclusive. Uh, He had a certain ethic that he promoted around sexuality, around uh, relational ethics, um, financial ethics. I mean, he was very exclusive, but he was inclusive in that everybody, even the most religious of people, even his enemies were welcome to the table if they were willing to. Yeah if they were willing to, uh, um, acknowledge their brokenness. Yep. And, and that's, I think that's so hard for us as a church today, because we look at, we want people to fit within a specific model. And if they don't, our natural reaction is to push them out. Correct. Uh, yeah. and, yeah. and that, that doesn't create safety and it certainly doesn't create family. Right. Um, so I, last thing, we've got a few more minutes left here. Um, I think the other thing that happens within families is that sometimes our families are not always very good at boundaries. Yeah. And I think sometimes churches lack boundaries. Very much so. Yeah. And very and I think so. that part of being created for family does not mean that boundaries no longer exist in the church. Cults, cults set up boundaries to protect the family. Right. <laughs> um, what, what are some of the roles or how do you see boundaries playing a part of creating that safe family community?
1: Yeah, one of the things, uh, and we, we don't have time, of course, to go into it all today, but uh, you have to unpack, uh what does it mean to be a safe place Yeah, and, and how are we using the word safe? Um, so a safe place, for instance, will not always feel safe. Say more about that. So if the operative word is feel, F-E-E-L, if I'm setting healthy boundaries for my kids, for instance, they're not always going to feel uh, like dad's being a good dad. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm actually protecting them and setting up those boundaries. Hey, don't put your hand on top of the stove. Hey, don't run out in the street. We still need to, if, if we truly want to be a safe place with one another, be willing to identify and set healthy boundaries uh, with each other, uh, be willing to have the hard conversation sometimes that we need to, to have. But as Christians, too often, we just want to be nice. Yeah. And, and uh, there's nothing wrong with being nice unless that's all we are. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, so it's really important to set healthy boundaries. Again, grace and truth are a God-sealing combination. I can set healthy boundaries with you, you with me, in a grace-filled, loving way. Yeah.
0: You so know, I, I, one of the things that we're really striving to be as a church I think we set boundaries as a church often around the wrong people or the wrong things. We can, yeah, and and I, I've yeah. seen that a lot in my own life, and I, I've seen I've seen myself guilty of this, where the boundaries we put up are around certain behaviors, yes, and therefore we isolate people. So oh, yeah. if you're doing this, and then well, I'll use the scarlet letter in the '80s and '90s when I grew up was divorce. Okay, right. And and I think about how many divorced people walked away from the church because divorce was the ultimate sin. Yeah. In the in the '90s. Which was the purity love weights movement. Right. Right. It was sex before marriage. And if you had sex before marriage, you yeah. would damage goods. And and now all of a sudden we've created a boundary and, and we've told people, if you don't fit a specific look or do there are certain sins we put boundaries around. Jesus didn't really put boundaries around sinners as much as he did sinful behavior. Correct. And and I think what's happening now, we've swung too far, where we have some churches that every sin is okay because we don't want we want people to feel loved right. and welcomed. Jesus always called out sin, but every sinner was welcome to the table. Every sinner found a safe place within Jesus. Uh, Our values belong, believe, become. You know, uh, there is some controversy right now because there are some pastors who are saying you cannot belong to the church if you're not a Christian. And I would actually argue, no, anybody can belong to a church. Now, becoming a member of the church, belonging to the body of Christ is different because the church is just a gathering of people. Right. right and we have to we're, we're striving I don't think we always do it perfectly but we strive to be a place where people can come in their brokenness they can come uh, there's no sin that's going to exclude somebody from being a part of our congregation right. now it might exclude them from leadership because that's a healthy boundary sure right but their ability to feel welcome and connected and loved so last final thought yeah. before we go uh when you think about the people in your life who are family for you, yeah, what what makes them safe for you? And you talked a little bit about vulnerability, and you don't have to name names if you want to, you can. But are there? I, you've shared with me there are people in your life that yeah. are like your brothers. They are family for you. Oh, they are that spiritual family. Um, share if you want to share a little bit about them and what makes that relationship so important and special to you.
1: Yeah. So. Uh, For all of us, you you don't need a lot of people like this, but you need two, three, three to five, something like that. I'm blessed. I I have multiple. Uh, My wife, Deb, first of all, is uh, next to Jesus. She's about as safe as you get. Mm -hmm. And then I do have uh, uh, a group of about three to five guys who are my safe place people. Uh, One of the aspects is they they do allow me to be vulnerable and transparent. I mean, they know things about me that, that nobody else needs to know. And they help me process those things. They, they create an environment where I know they delight in me. They might not delight in what I'm struggling with, yeah. but they delight in me. And and they always do. And another thing that makes them safe for me is they, they're just guys. They just know how to live life and love <laughs> life. And and uh, because of that, I don't have to put on some kind of mask, uh, religious mask when I'm in their presence. Yeah, a good friend of uh, our family,
0: of my wife and I, she said um, there are is particularly talking about our church. She says she feels like she can be the same person. Yeah, her, her two lives came together in one. And and again, I think um, because we were created for family, that family is messy. Yes. And and I actually think there's beauty in the mess. Like if everybody was uniform and perfect, like that's a uniform. Go go to a go to a a, boarder, a boarding school, right? Yeah. Everything's in a uniform. The messiness of church is part of what I think makes it so beautiful. But it can make it unsafe. Yeah. And and I, I think the striving for us is we should strive to create an environment, if I'm understanding and hearing you correctly, and, and your book is, if you haven't gotten his book, you should get it. It's a good book. Um, we should strive to create safe environments, a yeah. safe place for the dangerous kind. Yeah. And maybe next time we'll have you back, we'll talk about what the dangerous <laughs> kind are. Because that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, that's
1: a whole different one. Yeah.
0: Um, Mike, brother, I love you. Love you, too. I'm so grateful for you. And it was wonderful to get to worship with you yesterday. And uh, you're actually going down to do a leader care retreat.
1: Yeah, Riverside
0: Bible Camp. I leave right after our, our conversations. Awesome. Well, hey, brother, thank you so much for being here. You I love better. you. And uh, I miss your face. I don't get to see you as often as I'd like, but <laughs> it's nice to see you, boys.
1: Love you, too. And I look forward to coming back to Clear Lake. All right. Hey, thanks for watching.